Hi and welcome to Traveling Inside Out. This is Alina, your host. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. If you are new here, don't forget to subscribe to Traveling Inside Out on any podcast platform you feel like and rate it on iTunes or um, Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Today's episode is all about how to. I kept seeing on different Facebook groups that people uh, have a lot of questions about traveling and how to whatever is related to traveling. So I just took basically 10 questions that um, I see the most and I thought about giving my insight about it. I don't necessarily have it in a specific order, so with no further ado, let's just get into it. How to um, declare a stolen object at the police station in a foreign country? Well, you are in luck because I've done that. However, First and foremost, I need to mention that I had to do that because I had traveling insurance. I have said this before and I'm going to say it again. Please make yourself a service and have a traveling insurance. Believe me, it's worth it. Believe me. So, uh, I've talked about this in a previous episode as well. Uh, something got stolen from me, uh, my GoPro camera. And it was partly my fault, but um, because I had a traveling insurance, I had to go to the police police office to basically get the statement from them. So I didn't need them to actually do something about it, as in to actually try to find it. I just needed a declaration signed by them in order to get my... Um, my money back, right? So what do you do? You basically try to find first the police station. Then if you do not speak the language, I would really recommend it to try to find someone uh, that could come with you or to ask someone uh, to write uh, at least the keywords um, in the statement. Uh, for your statement, basically. So when you go to the police, at least you can say this, like at least I have this, and just hope for the best that someone speaks English. Um, Almost nobody spoke English when I went to the police office uh, in Uruguay. So I've kind of done my... um, Like the, 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 the police officer... She asked me a lot of questions, and I kept saying yes and no, yes and no, because I do un- I did understand Spanish, but back then I wasn't that good in uh, talking in English in Spanish. So I would suggest again, either you take someone with you who knows and speaks the language, or you have written down some key words that you're going to focus on explaining. How to go to the doctors? <laughs> okay, so. I want to talk about this because this is actually a very important subject. I'm um, a woman that I travel solo for most of my time. And there are two kind of things that I want to mention when it comes to my health. Um, It's about either, like, if I'm getting a cold uh, and can be the flu as in getting a fever and all that, 
or any other things that actually did happen during my stay. And I'm going to give you some examples to just know how you deal with this. Because it's not easy when you're the only one that you can depend on, especially when you're traveling and sometimes you get tired so your body can actually be really tired. So if you get a bit, of a, uh, get a bit sick, it's going to get worse and worse. The first thing that I want to suggest, please, if you know that you are having a cold, if you know that you're going to get the flu, if you are really not feeling well, please book a private room. It's not okay for you to be completely sick and then to sleep in a dorm because all those viruses that are in you are going to get sick the rest of the people. So really, 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 please book a private room. It's, it sucks when it happens in a trip, uh, in a short trip, and you're sick and you're not quite okay to go out. So I would, if it's a longer trip, I would really suggest to take one, two days off in which you're just basically trying to f get better. Or um, make sure you really do drink a lot of liquids. And I know it's stupid to, f to say this coming from me because I rarely drink any water. Uh, but it's really important to get hydrated, especially when you're sick. And it's easy to do it if you drink tea or uh, have a soup and so on. But you should never forget about the water. And yes, I'm the one saying that even though I don't normally drink water on a, on a daily basis. Again, traveling insurance in case of other stuff happened. Um, like, as it happened to me, so I had really huge uh, back pain. I got uh, stung by a bee, and I got... Um, <laughs> it wasn't that bad as in I needed uh, to get insulin or whatever in, but it, it got really bad because it got... Uh, like, the allergy was really strong. Um, what else happened to me? It, I, my, my ear got clogged. And I wasn't able to hear in with one ear for at least probably two weeks. Um, my face, half of my face got swollen because I don't actually know why. I thought that there was something with my tooth. Also, I had a toothache and I had to go and do a filling. So all this stuff happened to me while traveling. And now the thing is that if you have traveling insurance, of course, you need to know what it's covered and what it's not. You need to know that most of the things you need to pay out of your pocket for the things that you need. And then you are going to get reimbursed. So let, then you need to really figure out like, oh, can I afford this? Um, you also need to know that, especially in South America, the emergency, like you can get for, you, you can go for free basically for the emergency um, in an emergency situation, like you don't need to pay, but unfortunately, the medical system in some of the countries, I haven't visited all the hospitals in also South America. I wasn't that sick, um, but I have to say that it's not, uh, like you, you might need to wait a lot, you might need to, like, you know, to figure a lot of other things, and it's not as easy as you... Uh, maybe are used to it in your own country. Um, 
so outside of that, I would always suggest if you know that you have, like, for example, I don't ever travel anywhere without painkillers. Because first and foremost, I'm a woman and I'm one of those women that have really, really, really bad monthly pains. Sometimes it's so bad that I feel like, like I'm going to faint. Um, so I'm always, always, always having painkillers with me. Also because um, I don't always understand the painkillers in other countries. So it happened once that I took a painkiller that was way too strong for me. And then uh, for the rest of the day, I, my stomach hurt really, really, really bad. So I'm always trying to, to get my painkillers with me. Um, because I don't need uh, basically a doctor prescription for, for it. And I know for sure that it works for whatever pains I might have. Also, taking consideration, because I was talking about hydration and so on, if you have a headache and you're really not uh, understanding why the headache happens, most of the time it's because of hydration. And it happened like that to me when I was in Turkey. And I'm mentioning because the water in Istanbul is supposedly, you're not supposed to drink it from tap uh, because it's not safe to, to drink. And we had, I think, a few days in which the water, like the fountain that we were using in the house was gone. And the guys in charge to buy new water, they didn't. So I think for like four days, I didn't drink any kind of water, any kind of liquid. And I didn't realize, and I had a headache for like two days in a row, up until someone told me, did you drink any kind of water? And that's when I realized, oh, I was really dehydrated, and I didn't even realize about uh, that. Now, what do you do when you're really sick and you are like, uh, like try to rest, try to make yourself a cup of tea, try to really, really rest, like your body needs to recover. And as everybody knows, like a flu lasts seven days. Um, now, I'm not going to tell you to, to rest for seven days, but at least for the first day when you feel the sickest, really try to stay more in bed. Try not to do any, like don't explore so much and so on. And then you can also, I know this is uh, more into the Asian culture or at least Eastern like southeastern side of uh, Asia, in which they wear those masks. Don't be ashamed of wearing those masks uh, if you are cold or um, you have a flu. Because would my especially like imagine you're feeling a little bit better, but you're still coughing or you're still sneezing, and then you go into a very touristic place. Do you, like, it's not, I mean, <laughs> I think it's a given, right? The viruses is all around and so on. What else you could do is to try to take some vitamins before you get sick, right? So if you know you're going to go in a very popular area and so on, and you don't know, like, of course, wash your hands as, as often as you can and all that, and especially before eating. But um, honestly, take some vitamins because that means like, and I'm, I'm talking about this especially for a long trip like a long travel, because your body is going to get tired. Um, all the difference in the food, in maybe the time zone, and so on, is going to make an impact over your body. And sooner or later, you will need to take a break, and it, it, it can't hurt if you take some vitamins. 
Um, that's my opinion as how I see it. Now, to tell you uh, honestly about me is when I get sick and I'm really like I'm sometimes I'm I'm talking nonsense and I uh, like I'm having a fever or so on. It's really I I really suffer and I is as much as I want to say that I'm really strong and I don't need no one and so on. That's when I'm like, I want my mommy. <laughs> I know it's stupid to say that. I'm in my 30s. But when I get really sick, I'm like, I just need someone by my side. Please, someone come and fix me. And someone come and make me soup. And someone come and make me a cup of tea. But I've learned in life that there's no one there. So I need to do that. So another thing that I would say would be to, if you feel like you're going to get sick, Try to do your shopping beforehand because then it's going to get more complicated for you to go and buy something. Um, or you can order food. So maybe ask at the front desk again if you're staying in a hostel or in a hotel. Ask at the front desk if you can actually order anything in or if they have a restaurant, if you could just go and have whatever food they have at the restaurant and so on. So try to make things easier for you. Then I was asked, uh, okay, I wasn't properly, like, personally asked, but I was, okay, so the question was how to not get tricked to pay more for uh, anything. And because I worked as a front desk officer in a hostel and then in a hotel, I have to say that please, please, please ask a local about the value of money in the country where you visit. As in, you need to understand that the prices that you are paying might be too expensive or not expensive at all for you, but but it might be tricky. Like you could be able, you should be able to ask a local. Either either you meet a local or someone from the front desk of the accommodation where you stay. Ask them about how much should, um, like for example, how much should it cost for me to take a taxi to. Uh, the airport or to that place. How much should I pay for a beer? Is th are there any happy hours? Or how much uh, should I pay for a, for bread or for a kilo of potatoes? I don't know. Whatever you eat or whatever. Or like how much am I supposed to pay for a meal? How much should a hamburger be? And like how much should a souvenir uh, uh, cost and so on? Ask someone, especially as I was saying, as a front desk, you, even if they are not locals as in born in that place, but they are living there. So make sure that you ask them how much it costs to do a, a load of laundry and all of that. Speaking a load of laundry, how do you do your laundry when you travel for a long period of time? Well, <laughs> funny or not, for example, I have to, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again because the probability is whoever listened to the previous episode, they either don't remember or they never actually listened to that episode and they are listening to this one. Um, when I was in South America, unfortunately, not so many hostels that I stayed at had a laundry facility, but there are a lot of laundry services in, in town. So again, ask around. Ask around also about the price. And make a be, please, please, please think about the fact that most, like some of them, they either charge you by how many pieces of clothes you have, or they charge you by the kilo. 
So try to take that in consideration. Um, and the funny thing is that I even even now I still have some uh, items of clothing with my name on it. It's just because they are writing the name because, of course, they are going to um, do a load with many other clothes together. That makes sense. So in order for them to find each item, <laughs> basically, you would... Uh, <laughs> They will write your name on the item. So even now I have like a bra with my name on it and uh, like some pants. <laughs> that's that's just a funny, that's just a funny thing. Um, I would do my laundry probably once in two weeks, more or less. It really depended how, how much of hiking I've done in that time and so on. Um, but just keep in mind that you are not allowed to wash your clothes in the sink in most of the hostels. However, what I was doing would be to wash my clothes while I will do the while I, while I was while, while I was showering, as in, like for example, if I would have pants that I need to wash, I would basically put them on the floor of the shower, uh, put some. Um, soap or whatever like shampoo even on them and then I would while I would shower I would basically keep on stepping on them and then like that I would kind of wash them and then after I'm done with my shower I would uh, basically uh, wash them by hand a little bit more they wouldn't be completely washed but when you don't have any especially uh, because in South America I did a bit of uh, camping and I did a bit of um, like traveling in some places where, as I was saying, it's not allowed. And they were, they were like a bit more um, like places not necessarily in a city, like either countryside or just like somewhere close to the mountains and so on. So that was my solution uh, to, to that. Um, another question for, especially for a woman. So, for example, my trip lasted eight months in total. And in those eight months, I dyed my hair three times. And let me tell you something. The first time when I've done it, it was my first month abroad. And, man, did I get tricked. I get tricked because they kept asking me if I want to do that and that and that to my hair. And I kept saying yes without uh, telling them, I don't actually understand what you're asking me. So I paid a lot of money. They really took advantage of that. I'm not going to lie. But they did a good job as well. I was really happy with my um, dying and so on. Now... It's always, it doesn't matter if you are in your own country or if you are in another country that you don't speak the language very well. When you go to a salon for someone to do something to your hair, you really need to tell them exactly what you want. You really need to tell them exactly what you expect and so on. So what I've learned is, okay, so now, now I'm not uh, cutting my hair that much because I kept trying to let it grow. But uh, in the past, when I had a shorter hair, I would literally go with an image of an actress and be like, can you do something similar to this? Um, you could do the same with colors. 
but for example, when I dyed my hair in uh, in uh, in Paraguay, I had they appointed me basically to a shop, and they were like, "We don't have the color that you want," and I wanted the redhead, and they were like, "If you go and buy your own color, we can do that." So then I was like, "Okay, awesome." So I went, I I looked for the color that I wanted, and I got it, and I was really, really, really happy with it. Um, so if you don't have anyone that can speak the language and can help you out, just make sure that you have a picture of what you want. Either the color, if or the haircut, like the, uh, being the color, being the haircut, being the whatever, just go for it and just show it and be like, can you do this? Like, you know, just a point to it. Can you, can you make this happen? Would it look good? And so on. Um... And also ask about the price before. Like, I know they're going to tell you I don't know for sure because I need to know how much color I'm using. I need to know how much it's going to take. But what you could do would be to totally ask them up front, like, okay. Like, for example, you can say, I have 20 bucks. Can you do this color to my hair for 20 bucks or how much? Like they can tell you, no, I wouldn't be able to cover that much. So if you are on a budget and so on, ask up front about the price. Don't be shy about it because it's all your money after all. How do you ask for directions when you don't know the language? Well, this is again something um, with like point. The thing is that I do have Google Maps and I really, really do trust Google Maps quite a bit. However, sometimes um, that if I don't have Wi-Fi so I, and I don't have mobile uh, internet, the map does not load. It simply doesn't load. It happens to the best of us. Um, so I would always try to remember the place where I'm going to or I will write it down before I get into wherever I need to go. And this is something that I've been doing um, when I'm traveling for the first time into a new country. I'm basically noting down the name of the place, the name of the street, the name of the area um, outside of my phone. Like I'm, Because what if I have no battery left, right? So I'm always marking it down the, in, the, in my in my uh, agenda, the name of the place, the name of a, because even if I like say as I was saying like my battery died or the internet doesn't work or Google Maps is not loading or whatever, then I still can ask someone. Do you can you do you know where this is? Do you know like do you have any idea? Like can you tell me where? Like how can I? Yeah, and so on. But I have to tell you funny story. When I was in Cusco in Peru, um, dude, it took me probably one hour with a taxi driver to find my goddamn location. And at some point, I actually asked the taxi driver to just le leave me. I was like, I can't. Okay, let's, let's just stay here. It's fine. Um, and then I went to the most, uh, uh, like the closest hostel, and I asked them, can I use your internet, please, to find my location, because I have a reservation, and I cannot, I don't know where it is, and I asked them as well, and they were like, yeah, we don't know either um, what it is, and it wasn't that far away, but because there were so, so, so many, not everybody knows every location, unfortunately. Um, 
So how do you ask for a direction if you don't speak the language? You just, as I was saying, you, you mark it down and then you just basically show it. Like, I don't know how to say this, but do you know how to say this? And I used to have this when I lived in Tunisia, for example, because I wouldn't speak Arabic and I wouldn't speak French either. Um, I would ask friends to, can you tell me how to say, take me there? Because also I didn't want for the taxi divers to know that I'm a completely foreigner. And... Um, I mean, they would they would know immediately, but I mean, I, I at least I tried to speak some French back then. Never again. Um, so again, try to ask someone, and if it's your first time in the country, just note it down where you need to go. I mean, would help to note down exactly how to get there. As I did, listen, my first time in New York City, I've said this before, I got lost, it took me, Two or three hours, I don't remember. Two or three hours to get from the airport to my uh, destination, which is normally it takes like one hour and a bit. Why? Because I got so lost in the subway that I was like, I don't even know if I'm going up or down. I don't know. Because I didn't realize that there are some express subways and some are not. I didn't know how to get from one side to the other. It was a whole thing. But the problem was that I did not... Uh, I knew where I had to go. I did not mark it down how to get there. I just knew that I'm supposed to take a, a subway, but I didn't find it because guess, guess what happens? When you are in a huge, huge, huge stations where there are one million doors that every door gets you to another place, you're bound to get lost if you don't know exactly uh, how to get there, right? But I mean, at least I was able to speak uh, English and I was able, like somebody showed me how to get to my destination. Okay, the last, the last questions are a bit more, let's say, in depth. Um, and I will ask uh, the first one. Um, uh, it's about how to feel confident uh, in speaking a new language. I mean, if I would know how to get confident in doing anything, I think I would be rich by now. But I can tell you how to be more comfortable. And I want you to do, let's do a role play. Are you ready for the role play? Imagine that someone would try to uh, communicate with you, speaking your native language, but not doing a really good job at it. What would you do? Isn't it... Uh, true that you would try your best to make a sense of what they're saying? Isn't it true that you're going to basically try to get to their level and ask as many questions as possible in order to understand what they want to say? Yeah, this is what you would do. So then why don't you think that someone else would do the same for you? Um, when it comes to me, I do need to say that for some reason, it's easier for me to speak a foreign language um, that I'm not sure about in front of uh, strangers than in front of my friends. Somehow I feel like my friends would judge me more than uh, uh, basically a stranger. So um, that's actually what it took for me to start speaking Spanish was to stop being around my friends and really just go for it. And it, as it turns out, nobody cared about my mistakes. They were either correcting or they were just finishing my sentences. It didn't matter. And that's how I started to grow 
more confident and more confident and more confident in uh, speaking uh, Spanish, for example. Um, how to make friends? This is this was a really good question. How to make friends if you are an introvert and you are traveling by yourself? Well, you're in luck or not, because I am an introvert. And I know a lot of people are going to say, you, an introvert? I don't believe that. Yes, I am an introvert. And I can give you, like, the best advice that I can give you is um, to try to make friends one by one. And it's either by going in, like, tours, even free city tours, or by um, just, you know, breakfast time in your hostel, or um, by basically just hanging out. As you will see, extroverts are going to start talking to you, even when you're not paying attention. It happened to me so many times. It was just randomly, I started, like, someone started talking to me, and then I was like, I mean, I can hold the conversation. I think that's clear by now, right? <laughs> um, so, I, you just, basically, the, the way that I'm doing this is, it's hard for me to start a conversation, and it's even harder if it's in a group. But if someone starts a conversation with me, then I'm going to... Um, really pay attention, like put my phone down, look at the person in, in the eye and make contact and so on, or just try to find um, moments when there are people, not only groups. I really don't feel okay when I'm, when I'm uh, like, to, to start a conversation with a group, I'm, I'm not American. I cannot just do that because that's something that I only see Americans do. Or British people. <laughs> Maybe that sounds bad. But no, in my travels, 100% sure, that's what happened. That's what I've seen. So I'm only talking from my experience. Um, but another thing that I want to say is that you don't need to do that if you do want to make friends while you travel abroad and you are indeed an introvert. Again, this is my advice. Try to speak with one person. Uh, try to take it basically step by step and try to, try to expose yourself to other people. Because if you're only doing your own thing, you're always having your head in your phone or you always have headphones listening to whatever you're listening to, hopefully to this podcast, um, it's not always going to help you. Uh, I mean... No, my podcast is going to help you. But I mean, if you always seem busy or distracted, it's, it's, it's difficult for someone to get actually in touch. Listen, I started, uh, a no, I didn't start anything. I was on the road. I went for a hike by myself. On the way back from the hike, I was approaching a city, the city where I was staying, and it was in uh, northern Argentina. I think it was in... I don't remember the name of the city, Tilcara maybe? Uh, I really don't remember. I was just on my own. And then this Argentinian guy, he started talking to me. And I was like, 
Okay. But then we went for dinner. We had a really good time. He told me about his trip. And then, guess what? We met again almost like two weeks later in the north of Chile. Because I went basically one way, he went another way, and then we met again. And again, we, we, whatever, we went for dinner and whatever. The thing is that, believe me, as an introvert, you have the easy role, basically. You just need to pay attention to whoever is speaking to you. The extroverts, they are going to do the hard job. Because that's how they are. <laughs> they like to talk to you. And especially if you... If they are by themselves and they see you by yourself, they're going to approach you. They, it's their nature. So just be open to people talking to you, basically. Like just look around and smile and all that, and it's going to happen. I'm going to just come by self. Uh, how to take your own photos? Honestly, I wrote about this on my kind of deserted... Um, website, so look for Alina's Wonders on Wix site. Um, and I can just literally just tell you, I feel like I need to tell you this. Um, it's too much, actually, to say about it. <laughs> I don't even know how to start. Okay, so let's, let's make it on points. The first thing, you need to be patient. If you want to take pictures of yourself, you need to be patient because it's going to take a while, especially if you have a timer and you don't, uh, like if you have a tablet, you don't have a camera, you only have your phone, you need to take more than one picture. You need to pose, you need to see if that pose works, if the, uh, everything, if it works. But then you need to be, to be feeling comfortable if other people are looking at you while you take a picture of yourself. Third, for me personally, I don't like to ask people to take pictures of me because first of all, they, rarely do a good job of taking the picture of myself. And secondly, I don't trust everyone with my camera, with my phone, with my whatever. So taking all this in consideration and read uh, what I wrote on my uh, website, and I think you will make a good job at that. Um, I wanted to, I think this is too, too long of a, I had two more points, but I feel like I can just talk about these two for a whole episode. So one was uh, how to travel with depression and anxiety. And the other one was how to uh, respect your boundaries and how to relate to the comfort zone. What's the difference between living in the comfort zone or just exploring outside of your comfort zone? Like, live outside of your comfort zone and explore outside of your comfort zone. But I think I will do this in a future episode because I have a lot to say about these two questions. And why not? Maybe it wouldn't hurt to let you uh, ask for more. Isn't it? This concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so by emailing to alinaswonders at gmail.com. Until next time, follow your dreams and stay true to yourself.